that you would just take full control. I commit this time to you, and I pray that you would just be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been said that life is a series of storms. Um, You are either headed into a storm, you are in the middle of the storm, you might be coming out of the storm, getting ready for the next storm. And it just seems that that's the way life goes continually. And so um, I think every Christian should understand that because we are always battling things in our lives. And, and you know, oftentimes we use the, the term storm for that. Um, tonight we set sail on two daring adventures. The first is that I'm going to attempt to cover two whole chapters, a feat that I have never, ever done before. I've heard that others have done it, um, but I have never done that. Um, and so that's, that's going to be a huge adventure right now. Um, the second one is that the Apostle Paul will hit the high seas um, on his journey by ship to Rome. Now, I know that at least one of them, for sure, one of these daring adventures. I know one of them ends up in a shipwreck. I just hope both of them don't, if you know the story. <laughs> um, and so this is my maiden voyage. And I am hoping that I don't make you stay here for a three-hour tour um, <laughs> because that would be a titanic mistake and you would be stranded here forever. Uh, <laughs> All puns intended, okay? (laughs) Um, But it's kind of interesting as we get into these last two chapters of the book of Acts that um, the writer Luke, um, he, he never indicates to us that he was ever a sailor. And yet this portion of scripture, at least chapter 27 for sure, um, reads more like a ship log than anything else. I mean, it's quite possible that he wanted to be a sailor and before he became a doctor. It's quite possible that maybe it was a hobby of his because he knows so much about all this sailing things and all the nautical type of vocabulary that he will use here. And, um, and so, but it, as I thought about that, I said, I thought it's quite possible that the guy that he is writing this letter to uh, Theo, uh, Theophilus, it, it, it's quite possible that this is kind of something that intrigued him even, you know, this kind of adventure and stuff. Because, again, you've got to keep in mind that as we've been going through the book of Acts, he has been writing to one particular man, the same man that he wrote the gospel to, the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke. And so he, he wrote this, the, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts to, to Theophilus. And, and I just find it amazing, as I shared it way back in the beginning, that the Lord uh, decided to allow Theophilus to share this letter with everybody else to where it became Scripture. Because if this, this guy could have said, no, he wrote it to me, and it's a personal letter, because it was to this man. And yet we get to, to benefit from the book of Acts. And it's been an amazing, amazing portion of Scripture. And so let's ship off and set sail in our day, a daring adventure here. I'm just as nervous as you guys probably are. Um, we got this. There's just a lot of reading. And you know my reading, it's not all that great, so bear with me. It will be like a running commentary, I think. Okay? So we'll see how it goes. It's like, okay, enough already, get to it. Um, <laughs> Verse verse 1 of chapter 27. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustian regime, or regiment. So entering a ship of the Adramitium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we, uh, we landed in Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly 
and gave him liberty to go with his friends and receive care. Uh, really quick, like, again, the journey is now on. He had been traveling by sea. He is in Caesarea or, or by land. And, and now he, they, they get into a, uh, um, a ship. And again, it was decided for them when they were going to get on the ship and what ship they were going to get on and sail off. And he is under the custody of this one centurion. And a centurion is one who was over like a hundred soldiers. And yet there's other prisoners that are involved in this whole thing. I don't know what type of prisoners, except that there's others. But there's two men that are traveling with Paul here. The first is, is, is Luke, because he keeps on mentioning us, we, um, and so he is traveling with them. Again, he is a doctor. It's quite possible he's just a, a personal uh, friend of his, a good friend of his, but also his personal doctor that traveled with Paul. Um, and the other one is Aristarchus. Um, a guy who was from Thessalonica. It's interesting because later on in a different book, he mentions his name and he calls him a fellow prisoner. So it's quite possible that he is a prisoner there in Caesarea with him and he is going to be going to Rome just to accompany him as a prisoner as well. But we're not quite sure about that. They set sail. They go up, up the coast. Caesarea, Sidon is right up here just under Tyre. And it never tells us that Paul ever went to Sidon. Uh, but when he got there, there was brothers and sisters that knew him, that knew who he was. And, and, and this guy was so kind to Paul, um, probably knowing that this guy was so innocent, but he had to go up to Rome. And he treated him with care and with respect and gave him liberty to go receive his friends and stuff. In verse 4, it says, When we had put to sail from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. Um, there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When they had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty to Nidus, uh, the winds not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of, the, of Crete off Salome. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fairhaven near the city of Lycia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the feast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul, and because the harbor, harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they might reach Phoenix, the har a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest, and winter there. When a soft wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, we sailed close to Crete. We'll stop right there. So now as they set sail, they land over here from, from Sidon. They begin to, if you, if you have a map in your, in your book or in your Bible, you could see that they began to go under the, the south part of Turkey. And kind of skirting the, 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 the land right there, coming up and, and landing, first of all, up um, by Pamphylia, Myra. And, and as they got there, the ship that they were on was not a huge ship from under, you know, reading some of the commentaries. But this Alexandrian ship, it was a big wheat ship that would carry about a, at least 276 soldiers or, or passengers, as we'll see at the end. So this was a bigger ship. It was sailing right to um, Italy. And so the centurion, along with the rest of the, the, the people, they decided, well, we'll get on that ship and we'll head on out. Now, as, as they even sailed 
they, it, it tells us a couple things here. The winds were contrary to them. As they began to go, it wasn't going to be smooth sailing. They were having a hard time even reaching there. It wasn't going to be a long, long journey. But because the, 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 the winds were against them instead of at their back, it was going to take longer. And this is where I, 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 I got the, the whole thing about storms. That all of a sudden we see that these people are heading into a storm. And it starts off kind of mild. It says that the winds were contrary. And as you read, it, it says that when they got there, they arrived with difficulty. And then it says that the winds were not permitting them. And, and in verse 9, it, it mentions that now it was going to be even more dangerous than ever before. And isn't it amazing that because of the storms of life that, that we get into, sometimes it seems like these storms that, that we get into, they're, they're not that bad, and, and it seems like we're going to fare them fairly well. But it seems that sometimes when we get into these kinds of storms in our lives, all of a sudden things begin to, to be more and more contrary to where it becomes more difficult. And, and, and I was, as I was looking at this, I'm going, okay, was it God's will for them to go or not? Or who is in charge here? Who, 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 is, who is coming against them? Because Paul says something to them when they land uh, over at Fairhaven that, that maybe we shouldn't continue on. And isn't it, isn't it amazing that there's sometimes people in your life that would give you some sound counsel and they're saying, don't go because there's a storm ahead. And you're going, nah, nah, <laughs> I know better. And it just seems like the storm is, is, is building. And again, you can look at it one or two ways. Sometimes there's storms in our lives because the enemy is trying to keep us from what God wants. And there's, there's times that God is allowing storms in our lives because He's saying, I don't want you to go. And if you go, you're going to get in trouble. And to me, as I was looking at this, I'm going, when do we know which is which? It, it, it's kind of sometimes mind-boggling because it's like, Lord, is this from you or not? And I think oftentimes, when there's people in our lives that are godly, that are, that are of sound wisdom and, and counsel, that, that maybe we should take their advice. And I, I shared this a while back that if you're used to making stupid choices in your life, can I say it any nicer? You know, sometimes God's going, you know, you keep on making, you keep on getting yourself in these situations, in these storms. And, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, my whole world's falling around me. And he's going, but people were, I was trying to stop you. I put people in your place that were trying to stop you from continuing on this voyage, this journey. And you just dismissed them. But then again, there's that other time where the enemy, and you know that it's the enemy because you know that you have been doing the things that are right in the, in the eyes of the Lord. And there's just obstacles along the way. And everything seems to be contrary. Now in this storm, as we're looking, Paul is, Paul is the main character here. And he is, he, he is not making the decisions here. When they set sail, it says that it was decided for them when it was time to go. So Paul's probably going, it's not a good time of the year to sail. But he has no say-so. And they get going. And when they, they realize that everything is coming against them, they're not getting to their destinations the way they want to, all of a sudden Paul decides in verse 9 to advise them. And you might be thinking, I didn't know he was a sailor. I didn't know he knew the seas that way. And it's interesting because he, he tells them, I perceive, or, or you know, I, I perceive that, that this voyage will end up in destruction. Not just of the cargo and the, and, and the ship, but of lives as well. Now, it's interesting because when you read Second Corinthians chapter 11, I think it is, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, Second Corinthians chapter 11. It tells us, Paul saying about his own life, that he had been shipwrecked three times. This was not one of them. He wrote that book before this happened. So it says that in that portion of Scripture as well, that he had spent a night and a day or three nights and a day or however time in the deep. 
So he understood what shipwrecks looked like, and he was probably like, I've seen those clouds before. I know what's coming. And here's a voice of reason to, to tell these guys, hey, I don't think it's good that we head on out. And again, there's people in your life that would give you and be a voice of reason in your life, and you're going, no, I know better. Because I, because I do this all the time, I know better. And he's going, yeah, but I've been there before and I've experienced these kinds of things. Maybe you should take heed. Because I could imagine that the helmsman is probably thinking, uh, Paul, wait a minute, bro. You are like a preacher boy, okay? You preach the gospel, I drive ships, right? That's what I do for a living. I, I have been on these waters before and I'm sure the, the owner of this of the ship is saying, she can handle it. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if he did that part. But, but she can handle the, the, the seas. She, she's sturdy, man. She, she is big ship. She's good ship. You know, she's from Egypt. You know, the, the Alexandrian ship. You know, it, it, it's, we've done this before. We've sailed in this time of the year before. And so I'm sure they're kind of look at, looking at him thinking, Paul, what do you know? And sometimes when you've gotten, when we've gotten um, in storms and, and, and we kind of like, what do you know? Have you ever said that to somebody? Shame on you. Because <laughs> sometimes they know more. <laughs> Especially like kids, you know, when, when we were kids and we were like, what do my parents know? It's like, idiots. I'm sure your, parent, your, your kids might be saying that. Well, hopefully they're not, but if they do. But, but you, you, you know what I'm saying? People sometimes have experienced life already and they're trying to give us sound counsel. And again, you have to weigh these things out. When is it God and when is it not God? But it's interesting because they begin or they realize, well, it's not suitable to winter here. And they wanted to get to Phoenix. And I'm sure they thought by the time I get to Phoenix, I'll... No. Yeah. They decided it's not suitable here to winter here. It's better to go somewhere else. And part of them thinking, I, I wonder if it was just a, a small little port, a little a little harbor that there wasn't much action going on, and these sailors are going, nah, over in Felix, it's a ha- Phoenix, it's a happening place over there. So we should like get over there. And and interestingly enough, from Fairhaven to Phoenix, it, 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 they're now on the island of Crete. It's not that far, probably some 80 miles that they just have to skirt the coast and and get to Phoenix right there. And so it says that they decided to set sail and and they took off. And all of a sudden in verse 13, it says the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea. I'm sure as they got going and they had this gentle breeze behind them and it's just smooth sailing and they're probably looking at Paul going like, and you wanted to stay behind. It's going to be smooth sailing, Paul. I don't know what you're so worried about. But man, all of a sudden, man, they had this hope, man, that yeah, we're going to, we're going to get there in no time. Again, keep in mind that it's about 80 miles from, one, from the south to the other, almost like the, the southwest part of this little island. So, verse 14 Not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocliden, which means a a northeasterner, almost like a hurricane kind of forces. It says, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of the island called Claudia, Clauda, we secured the skiff or dinghy uh, with difficulty. When they had taken it up on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the Surtras sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because of the exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day they threw 
the ships tackle overboard with their own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would arrive or that we would be saved was finally gone. This false hope that they got in the beginning as they took off and it was going to be a short little journey from from Fairhaven over to Phoenix. And all of a sudden, a Euroclidon comes their way. And they are now being tossed and driven. They just, they just let it go. They're just like, we can't control this thing. And isn't it interesting when you're in a storm... That, that maybe you knew that you shouldn't have got into. And all of a sudden you had this false security that everything was going to go good. And all of a sudden a Euroclidon comes into your life. And all of a sudden you have lost control. Things, have, things are happening and you can't even steer the ship. You can't, you, it's like, Lord, what the heck? What is going on? And he's going, I warned you. I warned you not to go that route. And I think so many times people are so upset at God because these things begin to happen and He had been trying to warn you, to encourage you, don't go that route. And all of a sudden you've lost control and you've just let it ride. And those things that, that, that were out there, man, you're trying to secure, you know, it, it's like i got to save some things. Like, again, the skiff, it's a dinghy, you know, that, that was kind of being pulled along. They put it up and then they, they put some some chains or some ropes underneath to try to keep this thing from breaking apart. Because all of a sudden, life is just breaking apart. And you're trying everything to keep it together. And all of a sudden, because life is just out of control, you begin to lighten the ship. You begin to lighten the load. And you begin to, to lose things. You begin to throw things away. Even the precious things like the, the tackle that they needed, that was very important, even with their own hands, they're destroying it. They're throwing it overboard and they're losing it for good. And how often have you known people or even yourself who have gotten yourself in this storm and all of a sudden you've just lost control and you begin to push people overboard and and out of your life, those people who are precious to you, that you needed in your life and all of a sudden you've, you've thrown them overboard just to try to save yourself in one sense. But you have no control over it. And after a while, you get to a point where you lose all hope. There's nothing left. And yet, there was a warning back in the day that said, don't do this. And sometimes God speaks to us in in such a way that He's going, man, I am so protecting you, but you won't listen. And so I have to allow some of these storms to come and, and, and just about devastate you. Because, again, it, 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 you're, you're not listening to me. And again, you, you kind of think like, well, Paul had no, no really say-so in this. You know, he couldn't really stop them. And it's interesting because now other people are making these decisions and Paul's having to go through their storm. And how often have you dragged people into your storm? Because you were being thick-headed. <laughs> because you weren't going to listen. And you're not the only one that goes through these storms. There's other people that come in and they're, they're affected by these storms. So in verse 21, So after a long absence of food, then, fall, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you, ha- you should have listened to me. I don't know if that went over very well or not. But, man, you should have listened to me and, have not sail- and not have sailed from Crete and occurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve saying do not be afraid Paul you must be brought before Caesar and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you therefore take heart men for I believe God that it will be just as 
it was told me. However, you must run, uh, run aground on a certain island. Now, when 14 days, 14 nights had come, as they were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 farthoms, farthoms, fathoms, fathoms, sorry. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found that it was, uh, it would be 15 fathoms, fathoms. Um, so here we, we, we see that even in the midst of this storm, God reveals himself to someone that's in the middle of that storm with, with these people. And those people aren't seeking God. They've given up hope. They're ready to, 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 to bail everything. And yet there's somebody that's in their midst that God is speaking to. And Paul, once again, takes command of the ship or wants to take command of the ship. The prisoner is now the captain. and saying, you should have listened. But don't lose hope because there is a God in heaven whom I serve, whom I belong to. And he has appeared to me through an angel and he has promised me that we will get there. And man, I, I read that and I think, man, there is nothing that will stop us from getting to the other side. If God says you are going from here to here, there is nothing that will stop you from getting there. Now, it's, it's been years since that promise was made that he would make it to, to, um, to Rome. And even after leaving, leaving Caesarea, uh, the, the little stops that he, they've made, and now they've been driven, they've been out there for over two weeks. Over two weeks. And it's interesting because we're going to see that they're going to continue going until they hit another island, Malta, a little later. Some 600 miles they have been tossed and going all over the place for over two weeks. And they were supposed to go from Fairhaven to Phoenix. It wasn't going to be long and they could have wintered there. And they would have been safe. But they didn't listen. And so now they take off and and they, they, they sense, and Paul is saying, man, because God reveals to him, we're going to run aground on a certain island. It would have been awesome if he said, and it's named Malta. <laughs> he didn't know, he didn't reveal that, but he revealed those things to him. In verse 29, oh, did I really read 29? No. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the soldiers were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff onto the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay on the sh- in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes, cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eating nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat, and they were all encouraged, and also took food for uh, food themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the grain, uh, the wheat from the ship. Here Paul, again, as he had shared with them that God had appeared to them, all of a sudden these guys begin to pray. I mean, it, it was more of a crying out 
but they're praying. It's like, man, they probably never prayed in their life. But because of all that has been going on all of a sudden, and maybe seeing Paul and seeing something in Paul, they're going, okay, man, we trust you. We don't think that you're, you're lying to us. Sorry for not obeying, you know, the prisoner. All of a sudden, man, he, he is the man. He, he is in the forefront. And he is the one that has the cool head in all the storm. And I love that. I love that this man of God, in the midst of the storm, hears from God and he has a cool head to try to calm people. Guys, that's what we're called to do. You know, even if we're in the midst of a storm, that you would be, have a cool head. That you put things in perspective, knowing what God has promised your life, in your life, that he will come through. And he will show up right in the midst of the storm oftentimes. And if you can have a cool head, especially you men, in your families, to be the voice of reason, that even though your wives or your kids are freaking out, you're not freaking out. You freak out, you're done. Everybody's done. But again, you men, are you able or capable of having that cool head? And how, how are you going to learn it unless you're in the Word and knowing that you can hear from God? And so it's, a, it's vital, it's important, but I love the fact that Paul takes control and he understands what's going on because these guys are going to try to escape. And he, he, again, God reveals it to him because unless these guys stay on the ship, we're, you guys aren't going to be saved. And again, it's almost like, okay, let's, let's obey now. Let's obey now. And so he implores them. He, he encourages them because they had gone without food for so long. Here, you need nourishment. He feeds them. He, he prays and he breaks bread with them. And again, he takes that spiritual role. And now these guys are, are like, okay, man, you know best. And all these men are now being saved because of him. I love the fact that he says that not a hair on your head will fall off. And it's like, man, I don't know how your shower looks when you take a shower, but it's like, really? I can't even scratch my head without some hairs falling off. You know, I kind of try to do this because I've lost so much. It's like, eh. Um, because they fall off so easy, and yet he's promising them not a hair on your head will, be, will, will come off. And it's like, dude, that's, that's hard. That, 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 that's heavy duty, man, to have that kind of promise to say all you guys will be saved. Verse 39. When it was day, they did not recognize the land. And they observed the bay, a bay with the beach, with the beach, unto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let it go, they let go the anchors and let them into, let them in the sea, left them in the sea, meanwhile loosening the rudder ropes. And they hoist the mainsail to the, to the wind and made for shore. But striking a, a piece where two seas meet, they ran the ship aground, and the prow struck, the, struck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was broken up by the violence of the winds, and the soldiers planned to kill the, the prisoners, lest any of them should escape, should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded them, commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest on boards, and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped um, safely to land. And so again, you see how they're coming around, they see the land, and they're going, let's go for it. This is what Paul said. Let's go for it. And all of a sudden, they run aground, and it starts breaking up. And, and here, these guys are, are thinking, well, if these guys escape, then it's our head. And that's why they wanted to kill them. But the centurion, once again, saves Paul's life. And says, no, let's not do that. And I'm sure Paul had a, a talk with all these prisoners. Like, guys, none of you guys are going to die. We're going to be good. And it's interesting because as I heard one pastor say in verse 44, who is a surfer, he says, man, here's the first 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 time the people were surfing and it says you know the, and the rest they were on boards you know they were like making their way into the shore verse chapter 28 verse 1 good time still yes now when we now when they had escaped 
they, uh, they then found out that the land was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made, all of us, or made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw that the creature, hang, uh, the creature hanging from his hand, they said to themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the, the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall over dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to, to him, they changed their mind and they said he, must, he was a god, that he was a god. In that region there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, <clears throat> who received us <clears throat> and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius, Publius lay sick of fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided us such things as were necessary. Here they find out that this land is called Malta. Again, it's 600 miles from Fairhaven to Malta. And again, it, 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 they should have taken like a direct west route. And yet they came all the way down towards Africa, and then ended up coming that way. So it was a long journey for them. This, this, this Euroclidon that had hit them just totally threw them off course, but God was getting them and was going to get him to Rome, to Italy. And so they make it there, and these natives were, were very welcoming. And as Paul, and I like this, that Paul, even though he is now in charge, he's still out gathering sticks. He's still one of the people. He doesn't put himself above these guys going, hey man, <clears throat> I just saved all your guys' lives. I'm just going to kick it here while you guys are going and doing this. You, Captain, go. Centurion, go. He's not doing that. He, he, he again shows us his humility that he is not above helping out and doing what needed to be done. And because it was cold, I'm sure these vipers were kind of stiff and stuff. And so when he lifted, them, lifted up some bundles of stick, he brought one up. And as he was tossing it in there and probably tossed it in there, the viper came out, wham. God on him. Now, again, if, if, if you know the last part of Mark chapter 16, it says that even if a snake bites you, you won't die. And there's these churches, man, that they're like snake people. They, I think they have a reality show on these guys too. But, but, but listen to what happens here. Paul was not like doing this like service, the snake charming service. You know, he wasn't into snake bites and, and, and then seeing what God was going to do. No, this was just a pure accident that happened. Something freak that happened. And yet, Paul did not worry about it. He just shook it off. And, I, and again, just, just that whole, the way it's worded, when things like this happen in our lives, because again, he's just gotten over the storm, basically. He's on land. He's getting wet. He's cold. And now it's like, really? That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Why this now, God? I can't believe that now a viper is hanging on me. Can you see it? Can you imagine? Because oftentimes when we're going through our little storms, or big storms, and it's just one more thing, one more thing that happens. And Paul could have been so bitter here, going, you know, it, you have promised Rome, I don't know how long ago, God, but we have not gotten to Rome. And it's been all this time, and it wasn't my choice to get on the stupid ship and to go over here, and I hate this island already, and these natives, even though they're nice, God bless you guys, I got a, a viper on my hand. And these guys knew it was poisonous. And maybe Paul knew it was poisonous. He knew about the sea. Paul knew about snakes too. And yet he just shook it off. And again, you, you don't see that he's getting any more bitter because it never tells us that he's getting bitter. 
And I think, again, it's a lesson for us that when we are in our storms, guys, and it's just pounding, and it's just escalating, and, and the, the Eurocliton is in our life, and then the stupid viper happens. And it's like, you think God has left you? Because that's what it feels like, huh? You feel like, man, Lord, why? Why this? Why now? And yet he just trusted. He just like shook it off. It's like, I'm here to serve. I'm here to do whatever it takes. And the people, again, it shows their superstition that, that first they thought, oh man, these nice guys and this and that. It's like, ooh, this guy's a murderer. Because he escaped the sea, but he doesn't escape justice. And when he didn't swallow up and die, I'm sure he's probably laughing. He's, they were just waiting for that Vicini time. Ha, 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 ha. You know, if you know Prince's Bride. Um, um, but anyways, um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. He didn't fall over dead. He didn't. And these guys are going, ooh, he must be a god then. It's not the first time that he's, he's been considered somebody like that. And back in Acts, we saw that, that they thought, man, this guy must be a god. And yet he never even let that happen to him. He didn't allow that to get to his head. He didn't, he, he, again, you just keep on seeing the humility of Paul going through this. And so much so that as they go to Publius's house and they're being welcomed there and entertained there, he still has a heart to minister. I'm sure Publius said, hey, my dad's sick. He said, hey, can I go pray for him? And he goes over there and just prays for him and God heals him. And all of a sudden he's having a healing service because all these people are coming and these people were so appreciative of what he had done for them. Again, Paul's just like the main character in this whole thing. But man, you got, you got Luke and you got um, the other guy. Um, and, and I can imagine that now many of these guys that were on the ship were probably believers now. And they're watching all this happen and they're going like, wow, this is a different life, isn't it? And so anyways, let's get going because uh, I'm looking at the clock up there. And I want to worship a little later. It says, after three months, we set sail or we sailed on an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island. And landing in Syracuse, we stayed there, we stayed three days. From there, we circled around and reached Rigamon, Rigamon. And after one day, the south wind blew and the next day, we came to Petulia. That's an Italian word. I'm, somebody, anyways, it's that word. But, but what? Petoli. Yes, sounds like a pasta. That's bad. <laughs> where, where we, where he found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went towards Rome. Now they're by land. Um, and from there, when, they, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apatii uh, Forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now when he came to, to Rome, the centurions delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul, they permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or our customs or the customs of our fathers, yet I have delivered, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans who when they had examined me wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. <clears throat> for this reason, therefore, I have called you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoke any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. 
for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him as he lodged um, as, at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of, of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening and some of them uh, were persuaded and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken and some disbelieved so when they did not agree among themselves they departed after Paul had said one word the holy spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet of our fathers saying Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the heart of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. And when they, when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. So now that Paul has gotten to Rome, right where he wanted to be, where God had promised him to be, um, he was let go basically. I mean, he still had a chains and, and all these things, but man, he had so much freedom to do what he wanted. It was like a minimum security on him. I think most people knew that he was innocent, and yet when, when he was there, he still had a heart for the Jewish people, and he called them together, and these were non-believers, and he wanted to share with them once again, and he did. He got to share Jesus with them through Moses and the prophets, and yet they once again um, rejected it. And he quotes Isaiah as saying how these guys will be so closed to the gospel. And so he, he once again would turn to the Gentiles and that's when they got upset at him once again. In verse 30, as we close, it says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all that came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which God was teaching, the things which uh, concerning... Okay, and preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no one forbidding him. Paul, his heart was to minister and he wasn't going to stop. It's interesting because Luke ends this letter without telling us what happened in the trial. Um, but we do know that Paul would be released and resume his ministry. More than likely, he would be up in Spain. In Romans, at the end of Romans, Romans 14 20, 24, it mentions that he wanted to go to Spain as he wrote to them. He wrote, the, he wrote to them before his first imprisonment, before this time. He had already written to the Church of Rome without knowing them. And he told them that he wanted to go to Spain. So most believe that after he was released there, he went. After his first missionary journey and during his second and third missionary journeys, Paul wrote Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Corinthians and Romans. During his imprisonment here, that that he spent two years there, uh, he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Before and during his his second missionary journey, Paul wrote First Timothy, Titus, and Second Timothy. So he wrote all the time, and we have his books that we can kind of understand a lot of what happened here, but in certain books, um, like First and Second Timothy and Titus, we don't hear all the sto uh, what happened after here. But it's interesting because he finishes this book kind of abruptly. And I think that that's the way it was intended because it really didn't give us the rest of the story. And I truly believe that it doesn't give us the rest of the story because the rest of the, the story continues. We are still in the book of Acts. I like to say that some people say, oh yeah, we're in Acts 29. I say we're in Acts 2013. 
And pretty soon we'll be in another chapter, 2014. And I truly believe that this story will continue to go on until Jesus Christ comes back for His church. We are in the book of Acts. The same Holy Spirit that came upon these people is the same Holy Spirit that wants to come upon you. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, man, I'll call some of the guys to be up here. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, to get that power that we have seen throughout this book, and I know some of you guys have have caught on here and there, but these guys were never the same. They had the Spirit with them and in them, but something happened, something drastically happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And these men were never the same. And so if you want to get prayer for the, uh, to, to be baptized for the Holy Spirit, I'll have Mark and Tony and whoever else, some of you guys, Jeremiah, to come on up. And, and again, just to pray for you guys. And we want to pray for you that you might receive that power. And we're going to have a time of worship to the end. And so if the worship team will come on up, um, I just want to close in prayer. But we want to make ourselves available to you if you want power, the kind of power that we've seen through the book of Acts Uh, We want you to experience it as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for just allowing me the privilege to read through this whole thing, Lord God. And I pray that I was able to do it some justice, Lord. Father, I thank you for just the story of how you brought Paul through this whole thing, Lord God. Lord, we read about Peter. We learned about Peter and what happened with his life. But we also have read about Paul, Lord. And we're just so blessed. We're blessed to have a brother like that, Lord God that just followed wholeheartedly after you, Lord. What a great example for us. And Lord, I pray for the storms of life that my brothers and sisters are in, that God, you would just minister to them. Lord, as some of them are, are, are headed into a storm, others are in it, some of them are coming out, and some of them are preparing for the next one, Lord God. I pray your blessing upon them, Lord God. Please bless them and watch over them. And Lord, I pray that if anybody here needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that they would not falter here, that they would not sit back and not receive that power that you want for them. And so I pray for those who will be praying for them, that God, you would anoint them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.